Do you think it's safe to ask them? Hear me. All you hosts gathered here. Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. Well, I think we're about ready. Quiet, everyone. Filth are my politics. Filth is my life. From the whispers of the damned, deep within the bowels of hell, welcome to Astro Radio Z. Freaking frack. <laughs> this is what happens when you get old. Yes. <clears throat> uh, but when you're older, you can have alcoholic beverages. <laughs> well, we've been able to have that for a long time now, Mark. Yes, we have twice over. <laughs> which, which, hey, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Happy birthday to you as well. Well, mine's coming up in a few days, so not yet, but I'll take that as a as a happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. We are, as uh, somebody out there would say, we are aging like fine wine, my friend. We are aging like fine wine that's put in the back that the cork pops off of automatically on its own. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to know about your bedroom problem. <laughs> I didn't know that until my uh, that happened to wine bottles till my wife worked in a winery. Uh, that bottle. Oh this is getting <laughs> this is getting far more in depth about your your guys' bedroom life. <laughs> this is pillow talk with Mark the Movie Man. Uh, when your cork pops early, don't worry, it's normal. <laughs> when, yeah, over forty years old. If your cork pops too early. Usually, I thought that was a young man's game. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, I think it's a it's a dry spell game, is what. It is. Oh my gosh! It's it's been four months. <laughs> Come on, baby, cut me some slack. That's all you're gonna get. You're gonna have to wait another four months. <laughs> Same shit's gonna happen if I gotta wait four months. <laughs> 
I got a train, baby. <laughs> Trains. You know what they say? Practice makes perfect. <laughs> how, how well does that line work for you? Oh, yeah. There's a reason why I occasionally sleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, this is what you've always wanted. We're going to get a breakdown of Mark the Movie Man's sex life here on Astro Radio Z. How do you feel about that, Mark? <laughs> what, we're breaking down my sex life? What? Well, <laughs> I thought, well, I guess you could title it uh, the same title as the movie that we were watching. Uh, Wild Zero? Wild Zero. You so, so you're getting no sex and it's wild. It's wild. <laughs> so you're having fun on your own. That Wouldn't that be titled The Onanist? The Onanist. Me gusta. <laughs> I, I'm beautiful. At some point, we should do a live, maybe a live commentary, like oh a riff on the Odinist here. Oh, I'd, I'd be down for that. It's been a while. Dude, uh, I'm I trying was... to think who the last person was that I made endure the Odinist. I remember that was like that was like a requirement if you're going to be on the crew. If you're going to be on the crew of Hole in the Wall, everybody has to watch the Odinist. <laughs> That was like a requirement. Most directors, you know, they have strict rules. Derek Carey, you sit down and watch this. With me. And, and I have with, to look at you, you in the eye while you watch it. I need to know that you're regular. I need to know what kind of character you have. Well, it wasn't awkward till you started quoting it while looking at me. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Onanus, one of the greatest achievements of all mankind. It's why film was invented. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you have no idea what we're talking about, if you go to Vimeo, I think it's on Vimeo. I'm not sure. Yeah, I um, so too. It was this joke series of <laughs> retro styled pornos and i say pornos with a with quotation Quotes, marks yeah. um about this guy that kind of looks so like you remember and this is fresh in my mind because i i showed my girlfriend her kids and my kids uh the sexy sax man video oh, okay you know, yeah the dude that walks yeah. around the mall, mall playing careless whisper yeah 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 so it looks like if that guy was in a porno <laughs> and it starts off and it looks like retro. Actually, doesn't it start off with a fake trailer of a guy yeah. jizzing everywhere that's called Total Cum? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it you think <laughs> it, it is like it's like a capital B in Bukaki, man. Uh, it, it's like Total Cum. You're like, you're like a fire hose. Oh my god, that shit. Okay, this is bringing back oh, so many memories. Fuck. And then the, the movie proceeds with the guy from Kara's, you know, the sexy sax man from the Careless Whisper YouTube video. He basically comes home and the rest of these movie, this movie, which is supposed to be like one of these found footage gimmicks, like this was a lost porno for many years and we found it and we're uploading it to Vimeo. Um... It looks like a total 80 shot on video porno. This guy gets home, turns on a record, lights a few candles, 
and proceeds to rub himself like, you know, he's getting things sexy. You expect a woman to show up at some point. Nope. This is called the onanist. He loves himself through this movie. So every single one of these vignettes, which are split up videos on Vimeo, uh, ends with all of a sudden a, a quick cut after tons of him rubbing himself going, me gusta. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, I love me. Me gusta. Um, all of a sudden you get a quick shot of him just furiously masturbating, <laughs> but you don't see his cock. It like cuts as it's starting to pan down to him. You just see his arm beating. It just cuts. And that's the end of the video. Oh God. Every one of these. <laughs> Yeah, you never get the payoff. You, you never get to see the payoff. It's, <laughs> but it's all this huge elaborate setup. And as, as the videos go along, because I think there's like maybe six of them, yeah, five or six of them. There's like five, yeah. They get shorter and shorter. Yeah. <laughs> because it's all of a sudden, it's no longer any of the romantic setup. Like one of them, I think, is him just going into a hot tub. And yep. within seconds, is him beating off in the hot tub. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Oh my god! Oh, the me. fucking onanist! God damn, I love the onanist. <laughs> you gotta know. Oh. There's. It's kind of like the blood test in the thing. You yeah. gotta know. <laughs> have you? I gotta look you in the eye and ask you, dude. Have you seen the onanist? You just look at him, go big gusta, and if, yeah, and if your hair stands up on end <laughs> and jumps out at you, go away because they're obviously they have no idea. They're, they they're no, the they alien. No they're yeah. the thing. You don't want anything to do with those people. No. <laughs> which which kind of is a little bit of what tonight's about. Like, I, we had talked about the movie we're going to talk about tonight, Wild Zero, on the last episode. I think it had just kind of randomly come up as like yeah. a weird gonzo movie. And if there was any movie that I've ever wanted you to watch in your entire life, Mark, it was this one. Oh man! Had you ever heard of this movie before? I, I have heard the title mentioned, but as far as what it was about or what it entailed, I had no clue. I went into this so cold. Oh, oh God, that is so awesome! <laughs> that is so fucking awesome! Wow! So in 1999, oh. when this Japanese rock and roll zombie movie came out. Were you even remotely into these kind of movies? No, no, I I was not. I mean, I was just, you know, I like kind of obscure films, but I, I was, <laughs> this was not on my radar at all at any point. No. Surprisingly, this was a big wide release when this came out. I remember when this came out because really? I was obsessed with this movie when it came out. <laughs> Holy fuck this week because this episode came together very quickly because you and i as long as you want to do this this is going to be a monthly thing yeah if you don't want to tell us what to cover on this we'll just pick out movies at random ourselves which explains wild zero tonight <laughs> but this is one of those movies where at that time, I was totally like balls deep into Japanese, like obscure Japanese cinema that was starting to come overseas. Thanks to like trying to think because I don't think Anchor Bay was really bringing any of this out. But I was also at, in 1999, I was living on the West Coast in Seattle and we had Scarecrow video. 
Oh, okay. And Scarecrow video literally got fucking everything. Yeah. So I rented this thing and god damn. <laughs> this motherfucker blew my mind. It's exactly the kind of movie I wanted. I had lived for I'm a huge fan of like the cramps and the ventures and uh garage surf rockabilly music i don't play a ton of it on astro radio z but if you go back to the early days astro radio z you'll hear it it's there (laughs) i used to play a bunch of it but the mixture of guitar wolf which is at that time guitar wolf was one of the hugest real true garage rockabilly bands out of japan oh okay like those dudes, that's like a that's not like a, a, a fake movie band. OK, that's that a was, legit fucking band. I was wondering because the way they were credited in the beginning of the film, they actually credit. I'm like, are they crediting the character names or are they character? Because you had you had drum wolf and you had guitar wolf and what bass wolf, I think it was. And, right. And I'm like, but they didn't have like another name with them. So I was like, wait, wait, are those real yep that's their stage names that's their stage names and unfortunately they lived hard fast and short Mm. because they didn't i'd have to look it up real quick but i believe in the early to mid 2000s uh they died like two of them died i gotta look it up here what what the actual like when when this all ended i i've got it up now actually they were they actually started in 87. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, Bass Wolf passed away. Yep, Bass Wolf passed away. They're still a band, but... 2002, he passed away. Guitar Wolf is still alive, but Bass Wolf died. Man, if you get a chance, definitely go check out them and one of their side project, Teen Generate. Great mm-hmm. fuck. If you like super trashy sounding, like punk that sounds like you had a cassette player in the corner (laughs) and you had turned your amps all the way the fuck up and it's just overdriving everything and it's just balls to the fucking wall screaming that's guitar wolf and this this movie is basically like guitar wolf the fucking movie it it pretty much is i'm glad you brought up punk because i'm watching this going oh this is this is definitely nestled in the heart of punk the way the way this entire film plays out it's so i mean i i was digging it but i'm just like yeah this is really i mean if people are wondering they want like a visual representation of 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 a style of punk i think this film at least to me it it defy i'm like watching it going this is visual punk right here the way a lot of this plays out the characters are and just the gonzo batshit things that happen absolutely this is a youth culture movie through and through this is not a movie for adults this is a movie for your inner kid this is a this is a movie for when you're like 15 to 20 years old where you still don't know much about the world you're sure that you fucking got it by the balls and you're gonna live fucking forever and Everybody over 20 years old is a fucking moron and just don't get it. And the only thing you need to believe in to get by in life is rock and roll. It's that simple. That's right. All it fucking matters. This is the Japanese version of rock and roll high school. Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely that it had that vibe what was interesting is while watching it i don't know if you're familiar with it i'm sure you are but it reminded me of another film that had come out a year before though i hadn't realized it existed till years later when a co-worker gave me the soundtrack and said you need to check out this film and that was six string samurai oh sure oh this, definitely this film really had that same vibe that same energy that same feel as six string samurai because i'm watching it going oh man this would be a great double bill with that <laughs> did you ever see around the same time as well um i'm just checking to make sure of yeah it's just only a couple years later had you ever seen electric dragon eighty thousand volts no but oh just my. by that title alone i want to that's another one of these fucking gonzo kind of like in the wake of um a tetsuo the iron man mm-hmm. and wild zero this mashing of cyberpunk and horror and rock and roll the only the way that japanese can do it only yeah. the way japanese can do it where there's no breath between anything that's going on there's constant noise. Um, the editing is so fucking pa- fast. You have no idea what, how to process what's going on. Um, it's screaming at you at all times. This was definitely an era of Japanese cinema. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So do you want to say what the, the plot of Wild Zero is for the listeners that uh, unfortunately yeah. have never seen this fucking <laughs> amazing movie? I can, I can sure try. Um, okay, so at the core, we have Ace, who is a devout fan of uh, this band and particularly the leader of the band, uh, Guitar Wolf. And amidst one night while he is uh, wanting to witness their uh, concert and actually try to make a case to be part of this band, this is how much he loves them. On this same night, there's uh, meteors hitting the earth that you soon find out are, are flying saucers. So while our number one fan is chasing after Guitar Wolf to meet up with them and also get in with them and possibly become a member of the band, there's a zombie outbreak uh, from these spaceships and meteors that are falling. And we run across a cast of characters thanks to Ace, including a a transgender love interest, a guy who runs around in Speedo-tight shorts looking (laughs) to take out Guitar Wolf. In a bowl wig. In a a bowl wig, looking kind of like a cross-dressing Mo from Three Stooges. And you have this band who are the ultimate badasses, who have wonderful powers, such as a magical whistle that you can hear from anywhere, because, of course, he's a guitar wolf uh, person, but still. And he has a sword in his guitar. And let's not forget the pick of death in which he can make it rain electronic picks to help take out the zombies. They also cross paths with a gun-dealing female who ends up joining this group because why not <laughs> there's a, reason and logic should be thrown straight out the window when you're watching wild zero there's the, don't try to figure out motivation outside of what is presented to you you see ace loves guitar wolf that's his sole motivation that's 
all you need. That's all you get. Guitar Wolf and his band are the way they are. They're just they are okay the guy rides around in a badass motorcycle with a wolf type design on it his two buddies ride around in a car that suddenly at one point sprouts christmas lights um (laughs) (laughs) nowhere they have hairdos that look like they went to the hairstylist and said make my hair look like elvis Yeah, everyone has pompadours. If you're into rock and roll, you basically look like a greaser from the 50s. Yes. You wear Um, sunglasses all hours of the day. You know, this film has it all. And it just presents it to you, just throws it at you and says, do with this as you will here. We're having fun, you know, and you can make whatever you want out of it. Uh, There is actually... What surprised me, as gonzo as it is, and as much stuff that is not explained, there is actually a bit of a linear story in here. It, it, so it's not completely random, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, your hand is not just getting not held. Your hand has been slapped away and cut off and replaced with a guitar. It yep. just said, here you go. Uh, <laughs> I we made this. Here you go. <laughs> this comes from that time where it was still okay to try and do the slap dash throw everything spaghetti at mm-hmm. the wall kind of movie. This reminded me of kind of like that era of Greg Araki where he did uh, Nowhere in the Doom Generation mm-hmm. and uh, some of Troma's movies and um, Takashi Miike. Yeah. Big time, like that era where there, he did Ichi the Killer and Dead or Alive and all of that shit. That's like, can take all of that shit and put it into a zombie apocalypse film, mm-hmm. and and then toss in rock and roll high school, and you basically got this fucking movie, <laughs> which is which is awesome. I mean, I I had no idea what to expect. I mean, you get these guys. The guitar wolf uh, and his band, who I love, these guys, their look, their attitude, everything, you know, and just the wild characters they come across. You're just, you're just gonna be like, wow, okay, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely in its own universe. Well, this is the one of the rare instances where all of the characters are one note, save mm-hmm. for. Um, Ace and the love interest, even the love interest maybe is a little one note, but Ace is probably the most, I hate even saying this. I think everyone in this movie is completely one note. Yeah, they, they are. They are in a mold and they stay there and it works <laughs> because there's just if you put any depth into anything in this movie, there's no time for it. It's constantly moving to something else. What what actually kind of caught me off guard was just uh, when we get to the love interest, how how kind of threw in some uh, progressiveness with it, which just threw me off kind of actually for this film, because I'm watching it going, OK, all right. And and you knew it was coming uh, kind of a crying game type of moment with the love interest with Tobio. Uh, but we get Guitar Wolf and they're going Rock and roll, man. Love doesn't have boundaries. 
love doesn't have boundaries, doesn't acknowledge gender. I forgot. I, I'd have I to forgot what the third back. part was, but but I mean, he just it's like, wow. I'm like, I know it's 99, but still I'm like sitting there going, OK, out of all this, this huge type of thing, I'm like, this is actually a little bit of a progressive, you know, approach and the way that part was actually handled with that character was really interesting to me i'm like here we have this just batshit crazy film and in it you have all these different like themes and and mantras and and philosophies and then you get this and you're just like wow (laughs) you know I, i was actually impressed by it um that that just was popped in there now granted folks don't get the wrong impression they don't go into deep there's a 30 second scene where guitar wolf basically slaps the shit out of the guy going talking about uh rock and roll you know how love uh just has no boundaries uh there are no rules and it doesn't matter what gender and i'm just like wow and then he disappeared and that was like it but still it was yeah, and then we go back to people you know digitally shooting hu- humongous holes in the zombies heads Oh, I love the zombies. Oh, those are hilarious. This movie really felt like that mid nineties era of Greg Araki. Like it mm-hmm. had that same kind of um, homopositive attitude towards love and towards the people in it. There, there was none of the, you know, usually, especially in the Japanese culture, none of those movies of that time were showing positive reinforcement for homosexual characters right whatsoever not that i had ever seen no not that and i remember either same thing mm-hmm. i mean greg Araki was basically at that time the only one that i was seeing any genre work like this that was getting out there to the masses that had any sort of message about transgender about uh, lesbianism, about gay love and relationships, even though, let's be honest, they were exploitive and, well, yeah. and done in a very, you know, kind of culty way. But still, at a time where that just wasn't being shown whatsoever in the vast majority of the movies, super progressive, especially in this, because it comes out of fucking nowhere. Because the, the main character, Ace, who, as you had said, you know, he worships Guitar Wolf. He is basically modeled his entire life and look after them. He's a groupie, follows them around constantly. Every single shot is him combing his pompadour back. Yes. All he cares about is looking cool and rock and roll. It's the literally the only fucking thing that matters in his life. <laughs> so he shows up, you know, he's he shows up to this gig where Guitar Wolf just gets done playing and he's bound and determined, you know, he's gone into the bathroom, he's given himself a fucking pep talk, he's <laughs> called here 15 times and talked into the goddamn mirror and he walks, he's going to go backstage and meet Guitar Wolf and tell them, you know, how much he loves them and how much he wants to be one of them. And Guitar Wolf are backstage with the big bad of the movie, who as you had said is, you know, the the tidy whitey bowl <laughs> cut cocaine addict and uh guitar wolf gets caught in the middle of like a gun standoff um because Gu- guitar wolf ain't having the abuse and exploitation because obviously the bad guy runs a hooker ring 
and uses women uh, as, you know, sex slaves and all this other shit. And Guitar Wolf ain't fucking having that shit because that shit ain't rock and roll, baby. That's all that matters. And Ace shows up and basically throws the the gun standoff off and uh, saves Guitar Wolf from getting shot. Guitar Wolf seeing this, you know, Ace is on the ground, basically cuts his hand, both of their hands and becomes rock and roll (laughs) blood brothers from that point on and gives him that fucking whistle. So that anytime Ace is in trouble, he just whistles that and Guitar Wolf will show up and help him out. <laughs> and Guitar Wolf bounces. Ace, who's just like, this is like the pinnacle of his existence. Not only is he a, he, he's met Guitar Wolf, he's a fucking rock and roll blood brother with him. He goes out on his motorcycle and he's, you know, driving around, having a good old time, all high on life. And all of a sudden, this stupid fucking zombie outbreak happens and he meets at first, you know, this super cute girl at this gas station where (laughs) there's another rogue group that are down on their luck and trying to hold up a gas station. Hold up a gas station. Jesus Christ, Mark. With two knives. He just walks in with two knives and whips out the knives or butterfly knives. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, this kind of came out of nowhere. Okay. Well, that's um, kind of the tone of everything, don't you well, think? Yeah, I, yeah, everything in this film, it just comes out of nowhere. Don't get me wrong. But this group of guy, folks, I'm like, how are these folks going to play in later? Which they actually, we revisit them a few times. Oh, but this guy tries to knock over a gas station with two butterfly knives. Our our, our love interest passes out. There's two worker guys. And then Ace again saves the day uh, unexpectedly to him, unexpectedly saving the day by busting in and and knocking the guy over uh, who drops his knives. And he realizes what a dumb idea this is. And they got to leave. Uh, so Ace saves the day again and this group of guys we come back to them later though the true love story of of the film I guess well, they're, they're kind of the centerpiece don't you think yeah they actually kind of become that which I didn't expect at all but but suddenly it starts to circle around them more than I mean in all honesty uh, the wolves uh, guitar drum and bass wolf are actually more side characters in a way than main. I mean, we, we do visit them and they do play a part, but it, they're more like accessory. You know, they're like this component, this this plot dri- driving component more so than, uh, you know, the main focus of the film, which surprised me as well. Because you Did thought- you want them to be the, the main component? Do you think this would be a better movie if this, if they were? the primary focus or would it get tiresome? No, I think it would get tiresome because their characters are just so up there and elevated and wild and just, just so, you know, out there that I think getting them in smaller batches works a lot more because they add just enough zaniness or whatever you want, word you want to use energy at just the right times in the film 
But if you had them all the time, it would be so gonzo that I think you'd lose your audience, in all honesty. Uh, we get them in nice doses. Um, you know, and, and as the film goes on, they they accelerate and show up a little more, but still, we get them in nice doses. Aces kind of are grounded character outside of all these outrageous people that are around him yeah he's like the everyman he's he's basically us like when we're yeah. kids you know we idolize a band or we get into somebody at least i mean i can speak for i don't know when you were younger like what was the one thing music wise that you thought was so fucking cool like what was it mark um <laughs> uh well i mean there was weird al but for me um beastie boys licensed to ill i didn't see him in concert i couldn't i was too young but i listened to that album so i still listen to that album continuously and i like the other beastie boy stuff as well but i mean like that album that that song that music right there i just i listened all the time so obviously when you listen to that you probably had preconceived notions as to what these people were like and who they were and that they were, you know, that they were pretty fucking cool people, like people you wanted to emulate and be like and hang around with. Right. I wanted to hang around with or see them. I mean, I because back in the day when you didn't have this damn dear social media, um, you only got how their concerts were by word of mouth or, or an MTV. Or MTV or news article. Yeah, you got to see them on MTV. I mean, you know, their their ballad fight for your right to party. Holy shit. That was like your anthem when you were young. You're like, yeah, you know, and the lyrics and everything about it was just that was like you wanted to party, even though you're like, you know, eight. You wanted to hang out with the Beastie Boys, God damn it. Right. And, you know, or 10, you know, whatever age it was. It was like these guys were just cool. They just did wild and crazy and naughty shit. And these are the guys. It was like, yeah, you know, you, you, your brain would go off on how the concerts were just from the little bits and pieces you were allowed to read about them. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, they were it was that you you become that obsessed i mean crepes uh when i moved the girl next door uh to us uh was obsessed with new kids on the block i mean oh my God. obsessed you know i mean so when you're that young age you you find a band that clicks with you or whatever you you just that is your embodiment and that's what ace is ace is that youthful embodiment of pure obsessed fandom for a single band or performer that right. that's what he is well and that's also you know it's a that's a good uh analogy for how guitar wolf is shown in here because obviously pre-internet days you really bands could mold their image in a way that they you didn't get overwhelmed by them so there was a mystique there mm -hmm. i don't know how much that is a thing anymore i don't think bands can have mystiques anymore because social media kind of eliminates all of that bullshit yeah no matter how hard you know a band tries to try and hold that like i think the only band that's that was out there in the mainstream that attempted that was ghost for a while and mm -hmm. obviously eventually that's got to come crashing down 
So I just think we live in an era where that kind of shit just doesn't happen anymore. Well, and the fact is, it's not just that it doesn't happen. It's the the culture doesn't allow it to happen because in order for them to be popular, they have to be on social media now. They have to be accessible in some way, even if it's through some moderator or third party they have to be in some way accessible so people can see all the behind the scenes oh instagram oh look you know so and so is showing a behind the scenes of them practicing oh people you need that because there is so much and i think it's because there's so much out there now and you have access to so much that if you don't you're gonna lose the 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 younger audience you're gonna lose them because they're gonna find someone who does do that you know, mystique, like you said, is kind of lost when back then that that was their plus. That was what they hinged on. You well, who knows, man? What do we know? We're fucking old time. Oh, yeah. What the that fuck do I know? I, that's, like we have our fingers on the pulse of anything other than fucking. Heart I got it. My finger on my. Not that old yet, but I got my finger on my own pulse. So uh, there you go. <laughs> well, obviously we heard we heard your your trigger fingers pretty quick right now. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's kind of like the whole point of this is like like Ace is definitely our avatar in the movie. So anybody, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for women, but for for young dudes that are super into rock and roll, this is them. Great. You know, you got that one band you totally are fucking into and you're obsessed with. You'll do anything for. And Guitar Wolf shows up just enough in this movie that every single time they show up, it's fucking cool. It's just badass. You expect something fucking cool to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When they when they are on screen, you know, some kind of shit's going to go down and it's going to be wild. It's going to be. It's going to be out there and, and they deliver every time they show up. So we have talked in the past about, you know, uh, zombie movies and uh, being a little sick and tired of them. Now, this probably is the first zombie movie I've watched in a while. And it's a movie I've seen before. What did you think about this as a zombie movie? I thought it was an element. I wouldn't say that this is a full zombie movie uh which i liked i mean because yeah the zombies show up but they're actually kind of a tool to a bigger thing that's going on that you probably don't expect the resolution to play out like it it does but um i thought it was all right as a zombie film the zombies were really secondary in this film i mean they show up but on the whole it's not like a, a night of the living dead that, you know, where they, they are an integral part here. They're just one of many obstacles <laughs> because you've got the zombies, you've got the flying saucers, you've got a crazy Yakuza boss guy. Um, you know, you got all these different elements in here that um, I, I dug it. I, I didn't tire of it because you get the zombies in spurts and bursts. And there's so much other wild stuff going on that it didn't distract me from it or go, oh, here we go, zombies. It's just like, oh, okay, (laughs) you know, and most of the characters in the film are like that. They're like, oh, zombies. Okay. Uh (laughs) Yeah, they really don't pose much of a threat at all unless you're just so lazy that you forget that they're there. Right. Yeah. 
Exactly. That's why and- it always surprised me watching this. There's those there's that one scene where Ace is just kind of like lazily driving down a desert road, kind of just like going back and forth, not really paying attention. Then he sees a van on the side of the road and he stops, parks his bike and walks around it. And there's just a family being eaten by zombies like how the fuck did that family even get eaten by the zombies when the zombies barely move? <laughs> like, what did they do? Are they that dumb? Because the zombies are in the worst blue green cake makeup. It's obvious something is wrong with them. Yeah, I have no idea how how that occurred. If one of their family members got or whatever, who, who knows? They were a squad on the side of the road and, and in the middle of the desert and zombies just miraculously show up i guess yeah yeah well that's the thing is the zombie there's no like build-up i mean you barely even remember after a few minutes that there's this meteor thing that aren't actually meteors that are spaceships and that that kind of fades away for a while and these things just they just show up and suddenly suddenly we go from like a few zombies to like the entire town (laughs) yeah it's like oh that escalated fairly quick yeah, well, this is definitely one of those movies where it presupposes you know what a zombie movie is. Yeah. It doesn't need to go through the paces of people, you know, having to board themselves up and having no, it, it cuts that shit out. Nobody's afraid of traveling around in this movie. There's running constantly. Everyone, it's mostly outdoors. Yeah. Which is totally against all zombie cliches. <laughs> Well, even even when it's indoors, it's in this huge warehouse full of weapons. <laughs> OK, so let's talk about some of those other characters there in this movie. So we've talked about Ace. We've talked about his transgender love interest, which at first, you know, obviously he's a little timid about. But then Guitar Wolf in pure. I mean, he is kind of like his Yoda character. He is. Where, where whenever Ace is having a problem. He has visions of Guitar Wolf, and all Guitar Wolf basically says is "rock and roll." That's all he says. I mean, that's all. It's just like anytime Ace is in trouble, remember "rock and roll, baby," and that's it. But uh, so, so, anyways, we have the, it, those are the the main characters we've already talked about. We had this secondary group that we're supposed to kind of um, which were the the people that tried to rob the gas station there's a couple there that uh the guy's kind of a fucking jackass yep and the girlfriend really wants nothing to do with them but they obviously love each other and they're down on their luck they almost become a secondary like side story that becomes oddly cute towards the end of the movie (laughs) grotesque zombie way yes yeah it does come become kind of cute i mean that they they have this kind of romanticized suddenly you think the love interest thing you're going to explore it with ace and tobio you think that's going to be like the main interest we explore but we actually explore more of these other two uh toshi and and hanako i think it is um, you explore more of them actually than the relationship between Ace and uh, his, uh, you know, his love interest. So yeah, well, Ace and, and Tobio are separated most of the movie. So the whole movie yeah. is basically, you know, Ace is conflicted about, you know, he's grown up 
with heteronormative ideas of what love can be. And Guitar Wolf, you know, he, he's trying to force it out of his mind with the power of rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> Bring him over to the uh, rock and roll side because rock and roll means that love has no boundaries. And then we have th- that's the thing about this movie when it, it deals with its sexuality, it's very fluid. In a way that if you had watched some of uh, Takashi Miike's movies, very fluid with sexuality, even though some of it's rather aggressive and kind of rapey, which is reminiscent of the like the pinky films and stuff like that. This movie is much more lighthearted, much more open about sexuality. We have straight couples. We have gay couples. We have gender fluid people, not just. The love interest, I think the big bad is also supposed to be presented as, I don't think he's supposed to be queer, but he's definitely a uh, gender flexible character. Well, yeah, I mean, you wear you don't wear shorts like that. <laughs> like he had a fucking cone in his pants. <laughs> but his pants, his shorts that he wore were like these almost like Speedo type shorts that were laced on either side. <laughs> So it's like stripper shorts almost in a way. And he wore a tight shirt and you weren't quite sure. Yeah, he was he was definitely meant to be kind of a a gender fluid character. You know, the way he it just what he's just a person. That's the thing is everyone in here is just a person. Never once do I actually remember anyone like with their appearance or how they were you don't really get any dialogue in here slamming the identities themselves of the characters. Nope. At any time, which you, you wouldn't kind you, you, the way they're outrageous, you would think at least you get the one person talk to them about, Oh, you, you freaky band members or whatever. Not one point do any of these outrageous characters are insults thrown that are specifically personal and directed towards their character. Nope. Never, never in this movie. The only time that you even remotely see anything like that is between uh, the couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 zombies toward the end and fall in love as zombies because he's kind of a wormy character and she loves him, but also isn't 100% with how wormy he is. Mm hmm. So there's one scene where she basically tells, oh, you are such a fucking waste, blah, 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 blah. But that's like typical bickering with a couple that they love each other, but don't necessarily agree with everything (laughs) that each other does. Well, and the the impression you get with the dialogue, the way it is, too, is when I say personal insults, this is a conversation and insults that they've hurled at each other before. Right. This isn't mean spirited in any way. Nothing in this movie is mean spirited. No, she's she's called him these words before. He's acted this way before. This is not anything new to this couple. This isn't like out of the blue and meant to hurt them. This is more, you know, uh, uh, lovingly argue, if you will. I mean, they, they're protesting. She threatens to leave or what. You know that it's not going to be that way, the way they're actually acting towards each other. It's just that that type of couple that they relationship they have. But yeah, it's not mean. It's not actually mean spirited. This is something that they this banter is normal. In fact, Masao, their guy with the butterfly knives, you could tell they've gone through this before. Because he looks like he just wants to run away. 
<laughs> yep. Yep, he's kind of a weenie. He's that third wheel that's just like, oh my God, there they go again. Right. You know? So yeah, but none of the characters in here you feel are are really being judged by who they particularly are. Right. You know? it, Which situation- at a time where that just wasn't normal, most times, especially in Western cinema, you couldn't have a gay character be a strong individual. It always was comic relief. They yep. always were one of the first ones that were killed. They are always the outsider. They're always the other. And I think this a lot of like the point of this movie was to break that down because, of course, Ace is conflicted about how he feels about Tobio at first. But by the end of the movie, that's been completely washed away and broken down. So that is the most explicit statement about sexuality in this movie. But you're right. I guess I never really thought about that watching this movie. I've seen this movie a ton. I've watched over the (laughs) years. I mean, it's over 20 years old at this point. I've never even thought of that, that really this is a very open armed, positive movie towards the outsiders of culture. Yeah. Yeah. Not just sexual, just people in general, the outsider people in general. I mean, you know, you got your arms dealer who she's actually very strong female character. But the way she presented, it's not like, ooh, look at us having a strong female character at any one point. You know, she just is the way she is, but she is an outsider as well. And even when we get her nude scene, uh, yes, it's got a few exploitive, you know, elements to it. But at the same time, the way it's handled is definitely not what you might expect with her. No, they don't linger on any of it. It's just matter of fact, and it cuts in and cuts out, and that's it. For a shower sequence, it's very short. Well, and especially for a shower sequence with a film that's in basically a category that has a reputation for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could easily mistake this for the same energy of like an Ichi the Killer. Mm -hmm. It kind of has a lot of the same kind of beats, not in content, but the way the film is constructed. Yeah. It's just relentless. There's no breathing to anything that's going on in this thing. Dead or Alive has those moments as well. Mm -hmm. You remember that fucking thing? Oh, yeah. It has that same breathless, constant forward momentum feeling. Now, there is a section in this movie that kind of slows down a little bit. A little bit. That's basically the uh, armory section slows down a little, I think. And then I think later on it it does. Yeah, you're right. There are a little bit of slow, but even there, things are still moving forward as far as the plot. (laughs) We don't have anybody reflecting or sitting and going, "Ah, you know, I remember before the zombies came. That was five five o'clock. The closest thing we come to a Night of the Living Dead bickering sequence is in that armory where all of our characters that we've been watching on their own separate side stories and missions all of a sudden come together. And they're in that warehouse with all the weaponry because the female badass of the movie, who is essentially like female Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) of the movie. Yeah, she is. She basically, you know, is just like... (laughs) This is where we got to be if we're going to survive this situation. And Guitar was like, fuck this. I, I don't get holed up in any bunker. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Because little did we know he had a fucking electric samurai sword inside of his guitar that he's constantly wearing. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you, you don't know that. And the guitar, the guitar was definitely his more concern. You know, what I dug about the military woman, too, is the badasses. She walks around most of the film with this collared unitard. <laughs> <laughs> what was up with all the short shorts in this fucking movie? I don't know. Like, we're talking shorts that if they sneezed, genitals were flying out of those fucking things right she's walking around in this like unitard with with a collar that from if you look from the waist up it looks like almost like a dressy type of top and then you get to the bottom and it's basically you know it's it's like a leotard type thing you get your boss guy who changes clothes into the short shorts <laughs> before he goes on the rampage with his guns he um, changes his wig and he changes his short shorts for another pair of short shorts, shorts. He's like in onesies the entire fucking movie. Yeah, the wardrobe for this as well is just it was just crazy, but it fit their characters. I mean, this world, they don't spend a lot of time building like any backstory or, or filling you in. But at the same time, the way these characters are presented, what they're doing and what they have feels natural. But by the way, the time you get halfway through the film, you're not really questioning the fact that Guitar Wolf pulls out a pick and he makes it rain with electronic picks that shoot out and hit all the zombies in the head. You're just like, Oh, okay. That <laughs> of course this is happening right now. Sure. All right. Yeah. Okay. It, you know? it, that's what I love about this movie. This is one of those movies where you put it on just like, this is a reason why I love a lot of trauma. They're the kind of movie you don't think about. Mm -hmm. They're the kind of movie you put on. As trauma is, we find out when we actually watch trauma and think about what they're talking about inside of some of those movies, especially the Lloyd Kaufman ones. There's something going on underneath the movie. But for the most part, you could enjoy it as a purely superficial surface level mm -hmm. kind of turn your brain off gonzo experience. Yeah. Well, we got to talk about the gonzo. There's the final act of this film, which you get all these things in bursts. And I thought it was interesting that you get kind of fade outs in between for wild zero and then you get this third act where they everything kind of comes together and the boss man he suddenly can shoot shit out of his eyes is it one of the flying saucers shoot yeah. him, and then all of a sudden he gains all these magical powers yeah he's got magical powers he's got electricity he shoots stuff from his eyes best part of this fight with the main boss is guitar wolf has a weapon, but he's most concerned about his guitar being in <laughs> Because he pops here and there, and I, I guess his battle cry, other than howling at the moon, is strumming his, his fucking Gibson SG once. It's like... <laughs> but, but he does it, and then he goes, takes cover, and instead of reloading his weapon... He's tuning his guitar. <laughs> and then and then he he gets to the roof of this building. We see flying saucers suddenly flying everywhere. And we think, oh no, what's gonna happen to Guitar Wolf? And he pulls out this sword that apparently he's had the whole time in his guitar. In the neck he, of his guitar. In the neck of his guitar. And he just holds it up and starts slicing fine saucers in half. 
She's fucking beautiful. Because why not? <laughs> you know? Mark, you forget earlier in the movie, in one of the many concerts that Guitar Wolf is in, there's multiple sequences of Guitar Wolf playing at musical venues in this movie. There's one in which every time he sings, his microphone shoots fire out of it. Oh, my God. That was so badass. <laughs> I'm like fire shooting out microphone. OK, I that I've I've not seen that. Or at another venue, every time he sings, there's an electrical arc <laughs> on the stage for whatever reason. <laughs> it just, so fucking cool. <laughs> I fucking love this movie so goddamn much. So so, yeah, it goes crazy, of course. By the end, we're not ruining anything for you if you haven't seen this movie. Trust me, we could describe every goddamn last thing in detail. And when you watch it, it's going to be fresh and new to you because that's just the kind of movie it is. Of course, love wins over and the movie ends with Guitar Wolf riding off in the fucking sunset. Yeah. So now that you've seen this, Mark, after 20 years of it not being in your life, are you happy that it's finally in your life? Absolutely. I I love movies like this. Like I said, where I watched a movie on the big screen tonight where it tries to be silly fun, but also it didn't fully commit. This fully commits. And I love films, even if they're films that I think maybe aren't the best. This is not one of them. I, I love this film. At least commits. I love seeing a film when it takes some crazy, silly, just wild concept and it fully commits. It goes all in. I love that. And this film does that. It it doesn't hold back. It's like they didn't have anyone at any time going, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that. You know, <laughs> there's not one fuck given. Nobody, yeah. That is the perfect way to put this. This is a movie where every last idea that got thrown out there is in the movie. They looked They're, at they looked oh, at their budget. They looked at their budget and go, "Yeah, we got enough for that. Let's go. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> let's Absolutely, let's do it." So, um, it, it's are it is a really stupid movie. I mean, let's be honest. Oh. It's a really fucking stupid movie. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm fully not saying this is in-depth cinema by any means. No, it is completely dumb and ridiculous, but it is entertaining from start to finish. This film just is entertaining throughout because they commit, they came up with this idea and they just carried through with it. You know, and surprisingly, us. it's like an hour and 40 minutes long and it doesn't feel dull at all. No, does this film this film moves? You're like Holy crap. It's like <laughs> they pack a lot in there and you won't be checking the time at all. In fact, you'll be going, wait, wait, I, I want to see more. <laughs> what, what happens next? Do you think you'll be watching this ever again? Oh, yeah. I mean, not right away, but uh, it's definitely one that I'll, I'll put in again to watch, especially if I find someone who hasn't watched it. I'll be like, oh, yeah, no, sit down. This is a fucking party movie if there ever was a fucking party movie. It is. This is this is fucking punk rock and rock and roll the movie. That's essentially all it is. If you're into cult and exploitation cinema, if you're open-minded about sexual themes, if you're just into really cool fucking music, god damn, this is the movie for you. It's got zombies, it's got exploding head, there's tons of gore, there's great music. It's just fun. You like laughing? This is your movie. 
if you like absurd Japanese cinema, there's no reason why you shouldn't watch Wild Zero. Oh, there's, no. there's a bunch of people. I'm like, I look at the letterbox reviews for this thing, and it's not super glowing. Like, it's either you really love this fucking movie or it just doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess, you know, if you're one of these people who, are, who hate rockabillies, <laughs> if there's something about rockabillies, then let's be honest. There are a lot of really shitty asshole rockabillies out there. <laughs> a lot of shitty asshole racist rockabillies out there. I get it. If they ruin everything about rockabilly music and culture for you, I get it. And I don't blame you for it. I've met and known a few of them myself. <laughs> Please, though, <laughs> everything that I like about it is in this movie. It's awesome. You should watch this. But if you, yeah, it's either going to be you like that kind of aesthetic or you don't like that kind of aesthetic. You either like stupid, silly zombie movies or you don't like stupid, silly zombie movies. You either have your dick in such a knot that you piss out your asshole or you're regular. (laughs) It's just one of those fucking movies. You're either going to get it or you're not going to get it. So, I mean, I give it the highest recommendation I can. I've watched this movie so many goddamn times. I love this movie to death. So, Mark, thank you for humoring me and watching fucking Wild Zero out of nowhere because this episode came together very quickly. Oh, no, I I had a great time watching it. You know, it's uh, not a film that would have exactly been on my radar ever, but because I heard it mentioned in circles, but I was like, okay, but getting to watch it for the show, yeah, it, it was a blast. I had a wild time with it. I was just... Shaking my head the whole time, and just when you thought, "Oh yeah, okay," and then you're just like, "Oh, we went there, okay." <laughs> you know, it's how it should fucking be. Mark, you got any parting words? Anything you want to show on this show before we ride off in the sunset and scream rock and roll? <laughs> if they're ever curious, they can go to specialmarkproductions.com for all their movie man needs. I got links to all my shit there. If they're at all interested. Uh, I got a thing that I'm being a part of this weekend that might get us some more activities. So that's going to be kind of interesting. Um, the, the creepy channel crawl thing, but uh, which I got links for as well on my page. So yeah, just, just go there if you're at all interested. Um, this is always fun getting to talk uh, movies with you, Derek. So thanks for having me on as always. Well, of course, this is more bullshitting with us choosing a movie as the backdrop. <laughs> that's, that's essentially all this fucking is. Oh, yeah. Mark, say goodbye to everybody. Okay, goodbye, everybody. All right, boys, girls. Right. Rock and roll!
Hello, I'm Bob Mark, and you're listening to Astro Radio Z. part of Combat Shock. Meet Frankie Dunlop, decorated war hero, ex-prisoner of war. But when he returned home, nothing had prepared him for the nightmare that would follow. Combat Shock. Come on, broken arm. Yeah, let's break his arm. He found society and turned against him. His job was gone. Doesn't look any better, sir, Frankie. There's nothing here for you. They want experience. You don't have the skill. The chemical warfare that had poisoned Vietnam was now poisoning his family. Hey, just shut up. You know what it was like out there. You know what you were exposed to. You didn't tell me. His childhood friend had become a desperate junkie. And the sweet little girl next door was being forced to sell her body in the gutter. That's no way to behave. Combat shot! Frankie tried to stand up to the skull. Any idea what you're doing to that kid? Hey, get the fuck out of here, man! Hey, you leave my wife out of this! But he found that life in the streets was more treacherous than the jungles of Vietnam. trying to do, Mike? Then your crime's on me? Combat shot! It followed him everywhere. Ah! Combat shot! Was it a nightmare or a reality? The battlefield may have changed, but the war was still on. Combat shot! More action than Rambo. More terror than the Terminator. I love you. More gut-wrenching violence than Commando. film you'll never forget. Combat You are listening to Astro Radio Z. Spirits of the Dead by Edgar Allan Poe. Thy soul shall find itself alone mid dark thoughts of the gray tombstone. Not one of all the crowd to pry into thine hour of secrecy.
silent in that solitude, which is not loneliness, for then the spirits of the dead who stood in light before thee are again in death around thee, and their will shall overshadow thee. Be still. The night, though clear, shall frown, and the stars shall look not down from their high thrones in the heaven, with light like hope to mortals given, but their red orbs, without beam, to thy weariness shall seem as a burning and a fever which would cling to thee forever. Now our thoughts thou shalt not banish, now our visions ne'er to vanish. From thy spirit shall they pass no more, like dew drop from the grass. The breeze, the breath of God, is still, and the mist upon the hill, shadowy, shadowy, yet unbroken, is a symbol and a token, how it hangs upon the trees, a mystery of mysteries.
Retro Radio Z. Oh, the dumps in June ain't like perfume. Deep in the heart of Jersey, but it's my state. I think it's great. Hello folks, Vaughn here for another Pink Theater, courtesy of Astro Radio Z. How's everybody doing? Tonight, we're going to talk a little doozy from 1973 called the Hell-Fated Contessa. I couldn't find a trailer, so we're going to play a clip from the film. Enjoy. So the quick and dirty of the piece of audio I just played for you is pretty much explaining Osen's, our main character played by Ria Nakawaya's backstory and why she is where she is. Um, the quick and dirty of that is that at one time she was a very famous contessa, um, but circumstances, preferably three Johns she's had, all died from unrelated illnesses or issues after having sex with her. So that's kind of marked her as a death goddess. <laughs> um, she's very a very beautiful woman, and you have within the sex scenes you actually get between her and some of the Johns. They are very kind of, you know, not not hesitant to talk about her beauty. But when as they kind of get in there deep, I guess you can say, um, they realize how magnific- magnificent her body is. You know what I mean? Like her skin feels like silk and she's warm to the touch in certain areas. And the fact that she is able to hear, you know, her vagina kind of um, engulfs the man with a pleasure that has never been felt before by the men that she uh, accompanies. (laughs) Um, So we're stuck with this poor woman in this small period of time, the film's only 76 minutes, and we're back to Nakatsu Roman porno. So there's a kind of a, a viciousness to these films, unlike the pinky violence films of the um, Toei time period, same time period. Um, which the thing with Toei is that they, they kind of mix the violence within the sex. In the, the Roman porno films, the violence can have also kind of cohere or add here kind of happened during the sex like a lot of like forced sexual sequences and stuff like that um in the kind of the the roman the pinky violence it seems like the sex is the kind of catalyst for violence anyway uh <laughs> so we're stuck with osen and we kind of deal with her her life um her from being um paid for by a sadistic painter who we get a very wild scene with her holding a fish um, and then she you know lets the fish suck on her nipples and go down on her 
um, to to as she's walking home after her alleged, you know, session with the the painter. The painter has three men kidnap her, uh, tie her up in a um, cemetery and rape her. And a man that she felt that she uh, could trust was paid very wealthy, very wealthily to rape her as well as the painter paints and draws the incident. Um, you know, we come across a bunch of men. The, the thing with her is that because she was a Contessa, her skin is a certain feel. Um, some men refer to it as silk, especially down in her lady regions. <laughs> and the warmth that comes off her breasts uh, um, and the warmth that comes off of her, uh, you know, her as they as it engulfs them within their sexual pleasures. Um, and the fact that she doesn't really have to do anything, it just feels so right. You know what I mean? The one thing I always love about these films is that even though the sex at times comes off as gross, the relation, the like relating to it and kind of describing it is kind of the way that sex should feel, I guess you can say. You know what I mean? That kind of weird perverted way. It should feel really good and you should have a real good time with it and and you know insertion and whatnot should feel something wonderful right especially like, like and they're not raping her they're paying her for her time so it's you can see that these men are kind of inherently drunk or inebriated but once they kind of get in there and they start actually having sex with her you can see the overwhelming pleasure that they enjoy from doing it um the problem is is that when people people know everyone knows why she's marked and what has happened but these men still risk it um you know risking death to kind of be with someone who is so um not not virginal but so um elegant i guess you can say is the right word for that um she comes across a young man who is a a puppeteer and a puppet maker who kind of falls for her um Pay, you know, doesn't pay to have sex with her, ultimately pays to have sex with her, but kind of loses, pops his cherry with her and falls deeply in love with her and wants her to run away with him to Osaka. And she's kind of calm. You know, she has kind of this thing where she doesn't feel that, you know, it would be her chance to get on and move on with her life and kind of get away from this stigma of this death goddess term that she's being bandied about. Um, the more interesting part I like about it is that the, the bosses of the bo- brothel are just these kind of two little goons who are very kind of meek <laughs> and really don't have the balls to stand up for anybody. The women in these in this film are very, um, you know, road-weary and street-smart, and they take on everybody. <laughs> and the great thing is, even though there's some women who don't particularly like each other, and they don't particularly like Osen as well, um, they all kind of rally around each other because that's what they have to do. They have to kind of, you know, fight to survive. And if they, one of them gets hurt, they all get hurt. And, you know, that's in a certain sort of way. Um, there are some unique scenes. Like I said, there's a scene with the painter where Osen is holding a fish in her hand and then she slowly rubs the fish up against her tits and lets the fish nibble on her breast. And then he, she slowly pushes it down near her crotch and shoves the fish into her her uh, nether region uh, and has a beautiful orgasm to it, which is bizarre as hell. Um, 
there is a scene with the doll maker where he just wants her where he just wants her to be his doll and in through the sex scene we get this elaborate dance number where he is dressed in his doll kind of like gimmick i guess because he is i guess japanese doll um kind of puppetry um is these kind of bigger dolls with the where the uh, the puppeteer stands there pretty much out in the open in all black with a black ma- face mask on so the people it's kind of gives the uh, what's the word um the appeal that no one's there and that you're just watching these two puppets kind of roam around and do their thing um and we have him in his puppet in his puppetry kind of costume behind her doing this very elaborate dance with her um while they're having sex like it's kind of cut into it um and like that's why i was kind of trying to say that this is a very kind of more of an art house film than a straight sex exploitation film uh I enjoy the hell out of it. I think it's a really cool, really interesting film um, that kind of really works on kind of extending and expanding the concept of the pink film. Um, and it's great when you when they give a small director like this whose other films, ex- excluding Watcher in the Attic, uh, which is kind of a it's a Rampo adaption, um, are kind of more straightforward kind of you know the 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 sex freak kind of not comedies these films are never comedic um but men and women kind of an intercourse kind of having madness with an overlying storyline right in this film you 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 get dealt with this kind of ill-fated character taking quint from the title um who is kind of set in her ways and she doesn't really want to leave she feels like she has no rather where she goes she's always going to have the stigma of killing men um, with her sex appeal but you have this young man who's obsessed with her and loves her um, and wants her to leave with him and she just waits too long and I'm giving the way the end of the film but there's other couple of things going on there's a there's a scene with the the, the um, there's an ill-fated double suicide um, where the two people who who kind of tried and failed are stuck in the middle of town to kind of be mocked by the rest of the townsfolks, and you find that the doll maker may have been sexually or at least you know romantically inclined with the woman of the of the two of these people, um, and the fact that the man now who is part of this alleged botched double suicide doesn't particularly want to be with this woman anymore and it's pretty fucking weird um you have them just both of them tied up in the middle of the square being mocked by everyone um osan has this one character who she feels has a kind heart but then is paid by the painter to rape her um so he can create more art and this completely breaks her spirit of the man uh, later he dies not because of her not because of having sex with her maybe because he kicked him in the balls or he was attacked and stabbed in the gut um, and he comes back as a ghost and terrorizes all the girls within the brothel um, and I'm just kind of giving you these vague attempts because it's definitely a film worth seeing I don't know if it was ever released the copy I have is a good copy um, but like the problem with these films is like, like the 
scarcity and the kind of trying to find any information about it is hard. Um, even the Lincoln Center um, description I found, because I guess they did maybe a Roman porno kind of pinky violence, you know, season one time. I don't know. <laughs> I know that the Lincoln Center does does work with the Asian Cinema Society in New York, and they do show some very strange shit because it's very much uh, about kind of showing the cinema of of Japan and the cinema of Asian of the Asian world. And sometimes you have to kind of delve into the more darker sections. Um, and their description is completely wrong. And that's the same description that's on the IMDB um, kind of, you know, quick dis- synopsis. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool film that I think more people need to see. I don't know what else to say. Uh, thank you, Derek, for letting me continue to do these. Um, uh, and uh, I hope all is well with everyone who's listening. If you'd like to listen to more of this bullshit, uh, you can always check out motionpicturemassacre.wordpress.com. That's it for this episode of Astro Radio Z, folks. Thank you for making 2021 another great year of Astro Radio Z. I hope you all have a great holidays, and I'll catch you in 2022. Adios. Adios.